Let's pray. Father, I ask that as we uh, consider your word, as I share right now, that you would bless this, that you would use this in the hearts and minds of people listening. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Obviously, today uh, being Pledge Sunday, we're going to talk about money. And I realize that for uh, many people, talking about money doesn't, it feels uncomfortable, feels personal. And, and people have lots of questions as well, very Christian questions. Should I save for retirement? Yes, I think in our culture that you should. Can I buy Tesco's, Tesco Finest? Yes. Can I buy Sainsbury's Finest? De- definitely not. No, definitely not. You know, there's... There's this funny thing, we, we, I can't draw lines for people as to what's appropriate and what's not. And there's this balance that we have between that, yes, we should enjoy what God has given. We should enjoy what God has given, but also we should be generous. And there's um, a tension between these things, of course. Should I tithe? There's a, there's a scary one, right? And I'd say yes. Uh, but I realize if you're not tithing yet, it's scary to start tithing. But I do think that if you are able to tithe, that if you can get yourself, if you can take that faith step, it's incredibly amazing over time the difference that you can make with your giving. So, you know, lots of good questions. As a church, we don't talk about money very often. And that's because so many from our church have taken up the challenge toward planned Christian giving or at least I'm talking about Holy Trinity St. Andrews, taking up the challenge to plan Christian giving so that we don't need to talk about it very often, which is fantastic. Now, I, I want to start in taking you briefly into this passage with two contrasting stories from when I was a child. Both stories I expect you'll be able to identify with and think of your own examples that are similar. Or I hope you can. The first story is, is when... I was staying somewhere for a few days, and I had like $3. Okay, sorry, you have to make your American English translations, but there you go. I had like $3, and I walked into town, and there was a shop, and at the, by the front door, they had a claw machine. Okay? You know what I mean, right? And with the claw machine, of course, you'd put your quarter in, and you'd be able to move the, the, you know, move the arm somewhere and press the button, and you'd hope to get a prize. I can't remember the prize I was after, right? I'm sure it wasn't all that impressive. But I, did my, I put my quarter in, and I, and I didn't win. And I tried again, and then I tried again. And the claw machine is deceptive, right? It, it sort of it tricks you into thinking that you almost won. And I kept trying... And then before I realized it, and this was, you know, painful as a child, right? I'd burned through my entire $3 and had nothing to show for it. And so I don't remember what the prize was, but I do remember having nothing left and feeling cheated by the claw machine, okay? But let me contrast that with another story. I was at a similar age, had a similar amount of money, and in America, we have, you know, yard sales or garage sales. Um, it's like, you know, it's like a car boot sale, but with normal people selling things that don't look like they fell off the back of a truck 10 years ago. That's just to kind of help you understand a yard sale or a garage sale. And there was loads of them around. And I had, again, I had something like $3. This time, I had the idea of getting the best gifts I could for people. And so I visited loads of yard sales before coming home 
uh, feeling good, proud of the things that I had gotten because I was sure that they were things that people would love. Now consider the heart motivation between these two examples. One is selfish, the other is self-giving. And all of us will have these different motivations competing within us, each trying to lay claim to the same money that we have. And growing up, there are some things that can easily make us, and again, I hope that with those childhood examples, you've got similar examples. And growing up, there are things that can easily make us either more selfish or more generous. You know, for example, some things that encourage us to be selfish. We learn that money, when money is spent, it's gone. That the things that you buy don't always live up to their promises, and we always hope for something more. And there are things that you buy that you can't afford, or things that you want to buy that you can't afford. On the other hand, we learn that generosity is a powerful thing. It can let people know that they're loved and cared for. It can help people when they really need it. And so we have this tension, this battle happening within us. And at some point, we learn, we grow up, and hopefully you learn to manage your money. We make sure that we're spending less than we have coming in. And this is all this is good, it's important. Hopefully we don't get so sensible that we forget to be generous. Or get so consumed by our own desires that we forget to live for others. See, the main challenge of today is, is simple. It's be generous. Under this challenge is something more complicated. It's our, our motivations, our heart, our drive. Now, our passage today starts with a principle that we can understand. In verse 6, let me read that again, where it says, Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. This is a, a kind of worldly principle, one that, that makes sense, that if you put what you have somewhere where it's going to create more, the more you, the more you sow, the more you'll reap. You know, people in, in business understand this. You make some profit, you put it back into the business, assuming that that will enable further profit. Building bigger and bigger barns to contain your abundance. This is a natural principle that can be very good. I met once when I was in Uganda, a very hard situation, but I met a 15-year-old boy, and the 15-year-old's parents had passed away from HIV. He had two younger brothers, and he was caring for them like he was their parent. They had a, a one-room house. I wouldn't call it a house, more like a shack. And they had, and, and what, was, what was beautiful about this, though, is that this boy had really taken this principle on, and he was proud. And so he took he, me and some others, he gave us a tour of what he had, and the uh, local pastor had given him some seeds and told him how to grow and what to do. And he told us the story of how the seeds had grown a crop. And the crop, when sold, he had more seeds and he was able to buy a chicken. And with the chicken, there was eggs. And with the eggs, he could get another chicken. And with, you know, and with those chickens, he could get a goat. And he, he went through and told us the whole story. And he was always looking to the future, thinking about how he could leverage what he had to provide for himself and his younger brothers, right? 
this principle working itself in action. But what Paul's doing here is he takes this worldly principle that makes sense and he turns it in a spiritual direction. He turns it to say that actually, just as when you plant a seed, you get more out of that seed than what you planted. That actually God sometimes what he does is he sees people's generosity and he wants to bless that because he wants to bless the world through his people. God loves to be generous through his people. So verse 6, we get this principle. Verse 7, we get this, uh, essentially the big question underneath this passage, which hopefully should be a prayer for us where we go, God, change my heart. Verse 7, each of you should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. What sort of giver should a person be? In verse 6, it's not sparingly, but generously. Verse 7, in line with what you've decided in your heart, not reluctantly, not under compulsion, but cheerfully. And of course, this is battling against the reason why there's tension here is because we are by nature selfish. Our hearts and the influence of this world pulls us away from God, what God calls us to. There's a great It was almost like an object lesson in scripture that I love where the Israelites have left the promised land and God is providing for them in the desert using manna. If you remember the story, it's a fantastic one where where God told them and, and what they found is that each day they could go out of their tent and they could collect on the ground they would find this manna. It would wear away as the as the day would go on, but they could collect what they needed. And they were told to only collect for one day at a time. And then on the day before the Sabbath, the rules would change. And all of a sudden, then they could collect for two days instead of one. And, and what they were told and what they found is that if, if on any particular day, someone collected too much, which, which you can imagine that instinct. If someone collected too much, it would go off. It would go rancid. And if, yet if someone collected too little, they still found they had enough. And when it came to the Sabbath, then they could collect for two days and it would be just fine. And it was this lesson that God was teaching the Israelites in trust. That God would provide, that God would give them what they need. And there's, this, there's a key verse there where it says this. Whoever gathered much had nothing left over. Whoever gathered little had enough. What we find is for us, it's often scary being generous. We want to hold as much as we can for ourselves. We want to be in control. And yet God challenges us to trust him, to have a heart that is one where we can be a cheerful giver, where God is the one who is in control. And then we move to verse 8. And this is where it gets beautiful, where where when our hearts are right, a beautiful thing happens. And, and the prayer here should be, God, use me. See, verse 8, where it says this, And God is able to bless you abundantly so that having, notice the word all here, having all things at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. The word every there could be translated all, right? The abundance that's being described here is all things, all that you need, um, all times, all works. 
The scope of the blessing is significant here because God wants to bless the world through you. I wish there was a way, although, you know, our kind of wish. I I like that things are done in secret. But if we could see all of the good that is happening, even just through our church, it would be staggering. Right? And I want to say, well done. Because times there are things I see. By the way, I don't know what people give to the church. I don't want to. But... The glimpses I see, staggering, okay? And so if we could see that, it would be fantastic. And even, I wish beyond that, I wish we could see what all churches, what Christians all over the world accomplish, because it would be amazing. Some years ago, there was a, a big Christian conference. Loads of church leaders were part of this and Bono from U2 was there, and he was challenging these Christian leaders that actually, that in Africa, he was saying that the church was like a sleeping giant. And he was basically saying to Christian leaders, you're asleep. And then the, ne- the year later, he came back. And there he, then he came back with this really positive message. He said, I didn't realize how fast a sleeping giant could get up and move which was exciting to hear the stories he shared, the ways he saw the church. I was a little bit skeptical, though, if I'm honest, in that I think the church was already there. He hadn't realized it yet because the church has been doing amazing things right through history. Come back to where I began for a moment. Again, God wants to bless the world through his people. And as You are able to bless the world. He wants to bless you to bless the world so long as your heart is right, your motivation is right. Again, come back to where we began. Think of that, those two childhood examples. Which one's winning? As as you grow, as you get older, which one's winning? These two impulses that wrestle within you, which one's winning? God calls us to live generously to be focused on others focused on the difference that we can make let's pray father we ask that you would help us with this father i pray that you'd help people to know what of this is right for them i pray that that what i've said will be will be heard rightly would be would connect with people and i pray this in jesus name Amen.